In 2007, TV network CBS dropped 40 kids in the middle of the New Mexico desert as part of a brand new reality show. These kids would have to build their own society from scratch. And if this sounds like Lord of the Flies to you, well, it was meant to. We were on this mission together. We were going to prove to the world that we could make a better society than adults could. I'm Josh Gwynn, and I want to know what this wild TV experiment was really about. Split Screen, Kid Nation, a six-part podcast from CBC. Available now. You're listening to a Frequency Podcast Network production in association with City News. As the war in Ukraine rages on, the whole world remains rightfully transfixed by the conflict. Glued to their news feeds, looking for any update about the pace of the Russian advance, the status of the Ukrainian resistance, and the effect of punishing sanctions on the Russian economy. And Canada's no exception. But so far in this country, we're fortunate to have been spared the worst effects of this brutal conflict. But it is beginning to influence our daily lives in some ways. And one effect in particular seems to be receiving a disproportionate amount of press coverage. We begin with the increasing pain at the pumps as gas prices hit another record high today. Prices across most of Canada are now above $1.80 a liter. It's getting out of hand, especially for people that are struggling. Eh? Russian oil is now off the global market for who knows how long. The price of oil, the price of natural gas, the price of all forms of energy will make their way to pretty much everything we use and consume. If you're like me, and you don't have to drive to work every morning, then rising gas prices may seem like one of those issues that you can comfortably ignore. But the truth is that as the price of gas rises, the cost of transportation and manufacturing tends to rise along with it. And that makes virtually everything more expensive. For the many Canadians already feeling squeezed by the high cost of living in this country, this threatens to make a bad situation a lot worse. So how exactly does a geopolitical conflict 8,000 kilometers away come to influence the amount Canadians pay at the pump? How much of this has to do with actual supply issues? And how much is just driven by rampant market speculation? And lastly, is there anything we can actually do to bring these prices back under control? I'm Joe Fish, filling in for Jordan Heath-Rawlings. This is The Big Story. Roger McKnight is the Chief Petroleum Analyst with NPRO International Incorporated, a company that specializes in helping other companies manage their energy costs. Hi, Roger. Hi. So I just wanted to start off the top uh, and sort of ground our listeners in what's happening currently. So we're speaking on Monday afternoon And uh, so after sort of rising steadily since the Russian invasion of Ukraine began about uh, 18, 19 days ago now, gas prices over the weekend seem to drop slightly pretty much across Canada. And I'm I'm just wondering, why did that happen? Basically, uh, it's a supply and demand situation that's got a bit out of hand. It's now working on rumor and innuendo. Uh, the Russia-Ukraine situation is being followed uh, by, intensely by the media and the and the consumer, and that news seems to change on an hourly basis. Is there going to be a, is there going to be peace? Is there going to be war? Are the Russian exports of crude actually being stopped, or are they getting through? 
uh, prices are moving up and down with any rumor uh, that, that seems to make sense. That's sort of a contradiction in terms of rumor that makes sense. But uh, that's what's doing things right now. But even before that Russia-Ukraine situation, we had a serious a serious situation with a supply and de demand imbalance. It was a teeter-totter that was way out of totter. We have a, a very, very tight supply situation when it comes to crude, and we have a huge demand problem when it comes to gasoline and, and diesel. And then we have a refining problem when this time of year refineries go into semi-annual maintenance mode to get ready for the driving season. So. On one hand, we have the global problem with uh, Russia and Ukraine, not knowing which way that is going. And then we have on the domestic side, on the North American side, we have a complete imbalance of supply and demand. Demand is far outstripping supply, and I can't see that changing it, even if this Russia-Ukraine things get settled somewhat in the, in the next few weeks. Right. So, so you mentioned there a little bit about rumor and innuendo, and that being the thing that's sort of influencing these gas prices and making them go up and then down and then, you know, back up again. C can we just take a step back for a second? And do you mind explaining to us just sort of how gas prices get set? I mean, I'm thinking like practically speaking, how do these geopolitical events taking place thousands of miles away come to influence the amount that we here in Canada pay at the gas pump? Well, let's just back up a bit, bit further and, and divide the country into two parts. We have a west of Thunder Bay, okay, but, but tends to follow the gyrations in the, in the global price of crude. And east of Thunder Bay, it tends to follow the mood swings of the Wall Street uh, traders following what we call the New York Harbor cash closing price for gasoline. So that, that changes on a daily basis. Crude moves on an hourly basis, but is settled only once a day as well. But west follows crude, east follows rumor. Right, and why why the divide? Why the divide? Uh, that's just because uh, Western Canada is more crude oriented, and with with their with their Western Canadian select being a, a blend of heavy sour crudes, it's just the way everything works. West of the Mississippi, even it, it tends to follow crude, but east of the Mississippi and east of Thunder Bay, it follows really. The supply uh, situation of gasoline, diesel, and jet fuel as it in, enters New York Harbor. That's because as uh, the refining capacity is all on the U.S. Gulf Coast and it comes up to the east, up the east coast of New York Harbor by the Colonial Pipeline. And when anything, any problem with that Colonial Pipeline, which handles 1.2 million barrels a day of gasoline, by the way, that that spikes prices uh, overnight. We saw it with Katrina many years ago when the pipeline had a problem. With, with power generation uh, for getting the pumps going. And that just shortened supply of gasoline up the East Coast. It wasn't necessarily a, a question of crude pricing. It was a question of getting gasoline from the Gulf to New York Harbor. Meanwhile, west of the, the Mississippi, the, there was no problem with crude whatsoever. So the most recent spike in prices has been particularly dramatic. And I think it's received a sort of disproportionate amount of media attention because it's tied to the whole situation in Russia and Ukraine, which is obviously the biggest news story in the world right now. But, you know, Canadians for a while, even even predating the war, have been seeing gas prices climb. And, and I'm just wondering, like before this whole Ukraine-Russia crisis began, why why were those fluctuations taking place? I think it's it's because the EIA report, which is the Energy Information Administration, which is a subset of the U.S. Department of Energy, comes out of, with a weekly inventory report. 
which, by the way, if we didn't have that, there would, there would be complete guesswork on all gasoline and crude oil prices. It is the absolute Bible of information insofar as all, all, all players in, in the energy industry work. That, that report last week showed that yet again, the crude inventories in the United States were falling. They are now at 12% below their five-year average. Even at 2% below the five-year ad- average would send panic buttons, uh, price, price panic buttons running right through Wall Street. But when, you, when, you're, when you've been dropping for four weeks in a row, and now you're 12%, 13% below the, the five-year average, I'm sorry, uh, that's not a good sign. The other thing is at this time of year, it's not necessarily gasoline inventories that drive uh, prices. It's the, it's the inventories of what we call middle distillates. That's heating oil, jet fuel, and diesel fuel. Uh, this time of year, that there's a very high demand, natural high demand for those products because of the, of the seasonality of it. But distillate inventories are now uh, 18% below the five-year average, which is absolutely astronomical. On the demand side, we have gasoline. I know numbers don't work very well on on, on audio, but that's the way it is. Gasoline demand is up uh, 8% at this time of year. Normally, that's not a, a factor because this isn't the driving season. This is the, the the slow period, if you like. Mm-hmm. And then we have uh, jet fuel and distillates up 35% in demand. So if you imagine a teeter-totter, it isn't level. It's tilted all in one direction. And that direction is, uh, was driving up prices before the Ukraine-Russia situation. And on top of that, at this time of year, the uh, refining industry goes into a sort of a dormancy period when they, when they shut down or slow down to get ready for the driving season so that they can accept a different characteristic of crude to get a higher yield of gasoline to keep up with demand for gasoline but uh, for the driving season. But I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think they're going to make it. I think demand is going to be so high, it's going to support prices right through to the uh, Labor Day weekend. They're going to be astronomically high. I was warning people about this back in September that this is going to happen. And unfortunately, I was right. Right. So you're mentioning this sort of imbalance uh, in terms of supply and demand is pretty much if I'm if I'm not mistaken, what this is coming down to. But yes. but 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 what kind of strikes me as being absent from your analysis is is actually the war in Ukraine, which which I think we're all assuming is driving these high prices. So, I mean, to what extent is the war in Ukraine actually impacting these prices? And is it just, as you mentioned, the sort of rumor and innuendo? Well, there's a certain amount of facts. Uh, certainly, when President Biden shut down, announced the shutdown of uh, the importation of uh, Russian crude, uh, that that hit the media headlines. And when Prime Minister Trudeau shut his hit the, the import of Russian crude into the East Coast, that created headlines too. But when you look at the numbers, I don't really think that should have had a, that much of a factor. The U.S. only imports 209,000 barrels a day of Russian crude. The president said it was closer to 700,000. That's not really true. The other 500,000 was refined product, gasoline and diesel. So that's not a a very big deal. The U.S. refines 15 million barrels a day. So when you when you take 209,000 barrels out of that, it's it's insignificant. So uh, I think a lot of this is. The thought that this is going to get worse. It's going to get not just the U.S. or Canada, but it's going to it's going to spread uh, throughout Europe as well, which it could could do. But uh, in my mind, I think the, uh, the shutdown of Russian uh, crude Im- imports was a bit of a, a red herring. That makes a lot of sense. So I don't want to minimize the effect that 
these sort of skyrocketing gas prices are having on everyday Canadians, because, you know, especially those who need to commute long distances for their jobs every day. uh, I know that they're really, really feeling the crunch. But I do want to I do want to touch on sort of the broader effects that this could have on the economy in general. I mean, you know, with transportation costs going up, I guess manufacturing goes up with energy prices, too. Will we see things like food inflation get worse as a result of this? Oh, absolutely. If, if we go back to my little discussion on distillates, um, I'm talking about diesel. I've never, ever seen the wholesale price of diesel as high as it is now. It is now 13 cents a liter higher than gasoline. It's normally maybe a couple of cents. So if, it, if, the, if the diesel prices are going up, you're going to have fuel surcharges applied to everything that those trucks are hauling, be it oranges, mangoes, or, or whatever from the United States into Canada, and even right across the States too. Uh, everything moves eventually. The final the piece in the puzzle, then the supply puzzle is diesel, like it or not. And those diesel prices are out of this world. In 2007, TV network CBS dropped 40 kids in the middle of the New Mexico desert as part of a brand new reality show. These kids would have to build their own society from scratch. And if this sounds like Lord of the Flies to you, well, it was meant to. We were on this mission together. We were going to prove to the world that we could make a better society than adults could. I'm Josh Gwynn, and I want to know what this wild TV experiment was really about. Split Screen, Kid Nation, a six-part podcast from CBC. Available now. So, you know, there's been a lot of debate about this. So I I just want to ask, you know, this has been sort of a political football in Canada, at least. Uh, How is the carbon tax contributing to these skyrocketing prices? Oh, well, it's it's going up on on April Fool's Day. Ironically, it's going up another two point two cents a liter on gasoline. That'll bring it up to 11 cents a liter. So that's a factor. I, I think it's ill advised of the prime minister and the provincial premiers to apply that tax in, in this in these times. I think if anything, it should be going the other way around. We should be cutting it. We should be they should be relooking at the provincial road taxes, which if I may be blunt, I don't think the provincial road taxes go into fixing roads. I think they go into general revenue. But these these are things that the the governments have a say in or control over. They don't have any control over the over the of the cost of crude. And when you come down to gasoline, gasoline prices aren't made in Canada, they're made in the United States. So the only thing they can really do is look at the tax structure, put a pause, put a cap on certain aspects of it, especially the HST. HST is a percent tax that uh, is not a fixed tax. So as the higher the other prices go up in the formula and the HST is slapped on at the end, it's 13% or 15% that's uh, just, a, just a bonus to the government. Are there any signs at the moment that the government would ever consider, uh, you know, uh, either revoking or at least suspending some of those taxes in the near term to help out Canadian families? Uh, from what I've seen, the federal, uh, uh, a federal minister, uh, when asked to comment on the carbon taxes, they say they're not going to move that. It's still going to keep progressing. The Alberta government is going to cancel its provincial portion of the road, uh, provincial road tax, I think, uh, I think uh, now or in, in April the 1st. 
the uh, Ontario government has an election looming on, on June the 2nd, and uh, Premier Ford says he won't touch the provincial road tax portion unless the carbon tax portion is, is uh, looked at as well. So there's a bit of a conflict there. The consumer goes to the gas company and if he figures out where well, all the taxes that are involved, it's 33% of the, of the cost of a litre of gas on average is a, is a tributable to tax. I mean, that's just, that's that's insane. When you're hitting like a dollar ninety a litre, 30, you know, 33% of that is going right to going right to somewhere and it isn't in the consumer's pocket, it's coming out of it. Right. So, I, I you know, I don't, I don't want to hammer into this too hard, but just just so that we're being being clear here, the the carbon tax, it's not helping with prices, but it doesn't. Is it fair to say that it doesn't deserve the lion's share of the blame for these skyrocketing prices? Oh, absolutely not. I mean, uh, much of much of the blame, uh, blame, as you want want to call it, on these high prices are completely out of control. Uh, My my point is that uh, gasoline and diesel prices uh, at the pump level. Uh, well, the retail level are not made in Canada. They fall, follow wholesale price markers across the country. I'll walk you across the country. Vancouver and Lower Mainland follow Seattle. Northern BC and all the prairies follow whatever happens in Minneapolis. Northern Ontario follows uh, Detroit. Uh, Southern Ontario, Toronto mainly follows Buffalo and Rochester, New York. Uh, Montreal and Quebec City follow Albany. And the East Coast uh, follow really well. They have regulated prices, but they follow whatever happens in the daily changes of the New York Harbor uh, cash price. That's how it works. Right. So if I'm getting you, the the primary reason for that is because while we produce a lot of crude oil in Canada, the places where it's actually refined into gasoline are primarily south of the border in the United States. Is that right? That's right. And gasoline. It goes back and forth across the border. To, it's called the import-export alternative. Is it more advantageous for a U.S. refiner to import or export a gasoline from Canada? And is it more is it more beneficial to import or export the same products uh, insofar as Canadian refiners are concerned? Refi- refineries aren't very happy, chummy friends. They, they compete against each other, even within oil companies, the different refineries within that, that same oil company will compete to get the best bottom line. So it's, it's a pretty vicious industry. So speaking of that, this sort of pattern of importation and exportation of, of petroleum products, it, in the last few years, there's, a lot of talk, there's been a lot of talk, as I'm sure you're aware of, about moving away from fossil fuels. And there have been some gains made in the green energy space. But as this is sort of making clear, uh, our society at the end of the day is still heavily reliant on oil and gas. And I'm still, I'm, you know, I'm sort of wondering, like, could this crisis see some of those green energy gains reversed? That, you know, will we see talk of restarting construction on some of these abandoned pipeline projects? Like I'm thinking here of Keystone or Trans Mountain. Is that, has that been on the table? Well, Trans Mountain is, uh, is stuck in up to its axles in environmental mud. The XL, I don't think that'll that'll ever get get going again. Um, I don't think our federal government really is crazy about it, and obviously, the U.S. president isn't very happy about it. Seems as far as switching over to the EV then for the the electric electrical vehicles, uh, we got the cart before the horse. We, we've got all this enthusiasm about dropping fossil fuels, but when you get when push comes to shove. 
first of all, you, you, you don't have any, you don't have the infrastructure to get a person from, say, uh, I don't know, Red Deer to Capus Casing, Ontario. So if you don't have the infrastructure, you can harp all you want about electrical, electrical vehicles and the, the benefits and the and the environmental friendliness of it, but um, in practicality, people have to get to work and they have to get home again. No, I I, I hear that, and uh, and it makes me it, it makes me sad actually a little bit that this that the progress that we've made could be jeopardized by this current uh, conflagration in Europe. If I'm being perfectly honest, um, Roger, I, I I do I don't want to keep you too much longer, so I do want to end it on on one sort of broad question, which I know guests tend to hate, but we like them because we don't actually need to spend a lot of time or work too hard writing them. Uh, so I'm, I'm just wondering what you as as a sort of keen industry observer are going to be watching for over the coming weeks and months when it comes to gas prices. And and what, if anything, is sort of keeping you up at night at the moment? What I'll be watching will be the Ukraine-Russia situation to see how far this spreads, if, it, if it's spreads, you know, if the economy can really handle it, I don't think the economy can handle these supremely higher energy costs. I certainly hope it comes to an end, but mark my words, the, the oil industry is not going to be the same again in, in Europe uh, once this thing is over, because the, the Russians are, are huge suppliers of crude oil, and there's nobody's going to trust them again after this. So your prices are going to remain high, uh, even if this conflict is over. And from a North American standpoint, uh, I, I believe the prices will continue to rise. Uh, I think the, uh, the carbon tax situation should be universal throughout North America, not just in Canada. I don't see President Biden applying a carbon tax because uh, that would increase the cost of gasoline. And this is the midterm, so midterms coming up. So uh, gasoline prices are optically very annoying for any person president so he doesn't want those prices to go up so he's got to get more supply of crude he's not going to do that it's it's all uh, it's all very very confusing but uh, at the end of the day i just see higher prices for all consumer goods primarily based on increased energy costs be it be it gasoline diesel propane liquid natural natural gas or whatever all right roger we'll uh we're going to be keeping an eye on those gas prices along with you and uh thank you so much for walking us through all this today it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. Roger McKnight, Chief Petroleum Analyst with NPRO International Incorporated. And that was The Big Story. For more from us, you can head to thebigstorypodcast.ca. You can find us on Twitter at TheBigStoryFPN. You can email us at TheBigStoryPodcast, that's all lowercase, at rci.rogers.com. Special thanks to the lead producer of The Big Story, Stephanie Phillips, and to our associate producer, Braden Alexander, as well as our intern, Efwa Mfojo. My name is Joe Fish. Thanks so much for listening. And tune in tomorrow as Jordan returns to his rightful place in the host seat. In 2007, TV network CBS dropped 40 kids in the middle of the New Mexico desert as part of a brand new reality show. These kids would have to build their own society from scratch. And if this sounds like Lord of the Flies to you, well, it was meant to. We were on this mission together. We were going to prove to the world that we could make a better society than adults could. I'm Josh Gwynn, and I want to know what this wild TV experiment was really about. Split screen, 
Kid Nation, a six-part podcast from CBC. Available now.